Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi there and welcome to this webinar on rugging horses by me, Dr. David Marlin. So to start with, I was going to cover the reasons why we rug horses and the first one's fairly obvious and that's to, to keep them warm, uh, especially in cold weather. But uh, we may also want to rug them, for example, to stop them getting wet, um, particularly in the summer. Uh, and, and certain types of climates where if horses spend too long being wet in warm conditions, um, they can develop problems such as rain school. We might also want to rug them to keep them clean uh, or, or <laughs> to reduce the amount of time we have to spend washing them off when we bring them in from the field or if we're going to a competition. Um, we... A lot of well, we rug a lot of horses to uh, protect them from flies, um, particularly in the summer. And there may be horses that require rugging because they are sensitive to the sun and they uh, get burnt. So those are particularly, usually very light grey horses or horses with um, pink exposed skin. And so you can use uh, sun block on them but also it's quite effective to use uh, rugging and that works uh, to some extent but unfortunately sometimes the legs are particularly susceptible 
Uh, that may be because those are areas that are not usually covered. There's also been the development in recent years of uh, rugs to cool horses down uh, or to keep them cool. And these primarily work on the, the basis of evaporation. So you, uh, you have a material that is absorbent, um, you soak the rug and then you put the rug on the horse. And as the water evaporates from the rug, that cools the horse down. But um, these, these are okay. Uh, they often don't cover uh, a huge area of the horse. Uh, sometimes they're sort of like almost like a half rug where the top half is the absorbent material and the bottom half is like a mesh. Um, and the, so the problem with them is they, they are okay provided it's warm and relatively dry. When it's fairly high humidity, obviously evaporation is less effective and uh, they don't cool as much. Um, also, it's important to never let these dry out because otherwise it, they then become insulating and will make the horse hotter. They really shouldn't be used for cooling post-exercise, uh, especially if the horse is hot, but they're fine for keeping a horse comfortable and possibly during transport um, as well if you're concerned about your horse overheating. So what else? We also have uh, a large number of uh, therapy rugs which uh, perform different functions, maybe massaging, maybe static magnets, um, pulsed electromagnetic fields. The problem is with the static magnets, we really have no evidence that these do anything at all. I know static magnets are really popular, and by a static magnet, I mean a magnet that a conventional magnet that uh, consistently applies the same magnetic force. So that's the sort of magnet you would use to pick up sort of nails um, or keys. Now, PMF is different. Um, we're not going to talk about therapy in this podcast, uh, Gillian Tabor. We'll be probably talking about these in the near future. Uh, there are also the uh, there's been the development of compression suits for horses. Now, compression in human sport um, has been studied quite a lot, and there is some evidence for enhanced recovery. At the moment, we have no studies in horses, not that I'm aware of. In any case, um, we don't know what the correct pressure would be in horses. And also, we don't know what pressures these suits are achieving. They're not cheap. Um, you know, they, they look quite fancy. Uh, they probably do keep your horse clean. Whether they actually offer any benefit, pretty hard to say at the moment. And the amazing thing about horses is that they survive in very diverse environments. We have horses that live in, in desert conditions. Uh, possibly up getting as hot as sort of 40, 50 degrees centigrade. Um, and we have horses that are able to live in, in Arctic conditions, so sort of down to minus 60 degrees centigrade. And the sort of animals that, you know, the type of breed that we would see in the desert, if we think typically the sort of like fairly fine-bodied Arabian-type horses, if we think of the... Uh, the, the, the ones that we see in the cold environments, these tend to be stockier, smaller pony types uh, with really 
long coats, not surprisingly. <laughs> Excuse me. So, being mammals, horses uh, produce heat all the time. And this is because of the processes of metabolism within the body. So, metabolism produces heat as a... As we, we tend to think of it as a sort of a byproduct, as a waste product, but actually being warm, of course, being warm-blooded has uh, lots of advantages. Now, during at rest, lots of processes are producing heat. Digestion produces heat. Um, all cells produce heat. But during exercise, the majority of heat is produced by the muscles. And that's because the process of converting stored energy in the form of glycogen or fats into muscle contraction movement is not particularly efficient. And so for every unit that is used to directly uh, make the muscles contract, we get four times as much released as heat. Now, being a warm-blooded mammal, homeotherm, Horses need to control their body temperature within a fairly narrow range. Um, we would say typically somewhere between 36 to 43. And that, that is a pretty small range of temperatures. How does the horse do this? Well, first of all, there are the physiological mechanisms. Now, these are uh, mechanisms that are used by the body without the horse being actually aware of them or having any control over them, uh, or any conscious control over them. The horse can't decide to change its blood flow, or its sweating, or its breathing. <clears throat> these, are, uh, these are controlled by the autonomic nervous system from the brain. And so the physiological mechanisms of controlling body temperature, either at rest or during exercise, include changing skin blood flow, uh, sweating, and change in breathing. Now horses are also able to uh, adapt, uh, sorry, adopt uh, behavioural means of thermoregulation. So for example, when horses stand under trees in the summer, that is a form of behavioural thermoregulation. When they choose to go into rivers and lakes, that is, is especially if they're going into sort of, you know, uh, quite a depth, that is behavioural thermoregulation. When they stand uh, with their back to uh, sort of where the wind is coming from, if they shelter under trees, um, if they, they stand together in herds, in groups, uh, so that the horses on the outside are taking the majority of the wind and those in the middle are sheltered and they will often swap round, that is, these are all forms of behavioural modification uh, thermoregulation so what determines how the horse interacts with its environment from the from the perspective of thermoregulation how does it gain and lose heat one of the really important things is <clears throat> that the horse uh, is heated up by the sun so radiation from the sun is of course what keeps the planet uh, at the temperature that it is and it's why we have the seasons as we become closer and further from the sun so the sun is really the the primary uh, me influence on thermoregulation um, the horse is heated directly by sun uh, rays that hit it and also by rays that are reflected off of the ground now 
if the horse is actually warmer than its surroundings, then the horse will lose heat by radiation from its body to the ground. So in the same way that the sun is hot and radiates to the horse, if the horse is hotter than something in its environment, like the ground or a wall, then the horse will lose heat by radiation. And this can be quite significant if we're talking about uh, horses in, say, very uh, heavy stone walled stables, which can be the stone wall can be quite cold. The horse has got a body temperature, surface temperature, maybe 33 degrees centigrade. There's a big gradient. The horse can lose heat by radiation. The next way the horse loses heat is by the process of convection, which is the movement of heat from a warm to a cooler area. Um, there's no contact involved. And so if the horse's surface temperature is 33 to 34 and the air is 20 degrees C, that's quite a gradient, the horse will lose heat by convection. If there is also a wind, even if the temperature is the, of the air is the same, then the rate of heat loss is increased. And this is the process of forced convection, or we sometimes refer to that as wind chill. Now, if the horse's environment is warmer than its surface temperature, let's say it's 40 degrees C, and the surface temperature is 35 degrees C, then the horse can actually gain heat by convection. And the hotter the external air is, the more heat the horse gains by convection. The next mechanism is conduction, and that's where we have direct contact. Now, if we think of a horse standing on a cold floor, there's actually not very much surface in contact with that floor. So the heat, there is heat loss from the feet into a cold floor, but it's not that great. <coughs> and we also know that horses uh, are able to modulate their uh, limb blood flow and reduce the heat loss that they experience through their feet to the floor. But if the ground is cold, if for example there's snow on the ground and the horse decides or pony decides to lay down, then there can be a significant amount of surface in contact with the, with the, the cold ground and there can then be significant heat loss. And this can happen in a cold stable as well if there isn't sufficient bedding. The final way in which the horse exchanges heat with its environment is by the evaporation of sweat. There is also actually evaporation of water from the respiratory tract um, and that's, that's also an important way in which the horse will lose heat. Um, if the skin temperature is 35 and the air temperature is 35 and we have a layer of water on the horse then that water will evaporate, provided that the humidity is below 100%. The, the higher the humidity, the less uh, effective evaporation becomes as a means of cooling. And so when the humidity is 100%, the horse will be relying primarily on convection. Now, evaporation will still take place when it's cold, but uh, it, it's slower. And the other thing that speeds up evaporative heat loss is when we have wind. So again, this is a combination of, sort of forced conve convection, but also forced evaporation, because 
the wind is continually bringing fresh air with low humidity over the horse's uh, back. The or an important concept in understanding how horses interact with their environment is what's called the thermoneutral zone. And for any mammal, the thermoneutral zone is a range of temperatures in which they can regulate their body temperature without actually having to actively be seen to thermoregulate. And that really means without being seen to sweat or increase their, their ventilation. Within that range, they primarily control their body temperature by increasing and decreasing their skin blood flow. So as the body temperature starts to subtly rise internally, the blood vessels in the skin start to dilate to increase heat loss. And as the temperature starts to fall, then the blood vessels are restricted so that less blood is going through the skin and the horse heats up again. And this is a gentle sort of cycle that goes on over two or three minutes uh, in a horse that's standing at rest. We can actually see this uh, cycle if we measure blood pressure or if actually we measure something called heart rate variability, we can see this cycling. And it's very subtle, it's only over about 0 0.1, 0 0.2, maybe 0 0.3 of a degree centigrade uh, variation up and down. Now the horse has a thermoneutral zone of five to 25 degrees centigrade approximately. And this is based uh, on some research by Karen Morgan uh, in, in Sweden, University of Uppsala. And she has published probably some of the most in this area. Now, what that means is when it gets above 25, the horse has to start changing how it controls its body temperature. It has to start to become more active. So it would start to sweat. We maybe start to see a increase, slight increase in respiratory rate. And similarly, down below 5 degrees centigrade, the horse has to actually start to actively control its body temperature. So that might involve, for example, raising up hairs to trap more uh, heat between the, the surface and the skin. Now, if we compare that to our own thermoneutral zone, we have a thermoneutral zone of 15 to 25. Okay, we don't have hair, which it partly would explain why we have a higher, lower limit, if you like. But the interesting thing is both people and horses start to react in the same way once we get to around about 25 degrees C air temperature. So the key thing here is when we get to around 15 in light clothing, we start to feel cold. For the horse, it doesn't really start to feel cold until it gets to around five degrees centigrade. So this is the first thing when it comes to rugging is we shouldn't really be judging what our horses require based on how we feel. So why is there this big difference between horses and people? Well, we've said the one thing that's really obvious is the lack of hair. The second thing is size, because if we take a 500 kilogram horse and we took a person weighing 83 kilos, the horse would be six times heavier. But if we look at the amount of surface area, because surface area is really the key to where heat exchange takes place. So the majority of heat loss, whether it's by convection or radiation uh, or evaporation, uh, 
even conduction, it takes the heat loss takes place at the surface. Now, a horse that's 500 kilos would have around five square meters of surface area. <clears throat> For the person who's got uh, who weighs about 83 kilos, we're talking about two meters squared of surface area. So, the horse is six times heavier, but only has two and a half times more surface. So the horse is having to get rid of the heat from uh, from a certain amount of body weight through a much smaller area. It's got a poorer surface area to body weight ratio. And we know that this is, in terms of if you're big, generally you lose heat slowly. If you're small, you lose heat faster. And... In cold climates, it's actually better to be big. It's better to be a polar bear than a mouse in a very cold climate. Uh, and it's better to be a small uh, mammal like a meerkat in a hot climate. Now, of course, there are lots of exceptions to this um, as well. For example, we have Arctic hares, which are quite small. They survive in, they, they, they survive in the cold climates. And we have elephants, which are the biggest <laughs> uh, mammal uh, on earth and uh, on land anyway and they are they live in hot climates but generally speaking if you're in a uh, if you're in a hot environment you you will be better off easy you will be easier to able to thermoregulate if you're small if you're in a cold climate you will thermoregulate more easily if you're big and the horse is interesting because it kind of sits in the middle there. You know, it's a it's a large mammal, um, and it's able to survive in these very cold and very hot climates. So, we've said that one of our main reasons for wanting to rug horses, particularly in winter, is to keep them warm. And what I'm going to look at now is some of the factors that influence if and how and when a horse needs a rug. So the first one is pretty obvious and that's the weather. So if it's cold, if there's a wind and if it's wet, then that is those are gonna be the conditions where the rate of heat loss is going to be the, the highest as far as, as temperature. The horse is gonna lose the most heat when it's like that. In terms of size, we've said if we've got a very small uh, pony and we've got a very large horse, the large horse has the advantage in winter and the small pony is likely to need the, the rug before the very large horse. Um, age, we know that foals, because they have this, uh, because for their size, they have uh, a greater rate of heat loss. They are likely to need rugs before um, mature horses and also older horses uh, who may have sort of compromised ability to control their body temperature, prone to losing condition, less body fat, um, may have ongoing health problems, they're likely to need rugs before the majority of horses. Um, just in general, body condition score, if you have any mature horse with a low body condition score, they are likely to need rugs before horses that are very well covered. When it comes to diet, diet plays an important role in determining a horse's ability to control its body temperature. So horses that are on ad-lib forage usually manage quite well. 
Um, interestingly, forage creates quite a lot of heat when it's digested, and actually so does starch. In terms of fat, fat actually generates the least heat from uh, digestion. But we're not suggesting here that you should be uh, feeding starch feeds to keep your horses warm. <clears throat> Obviously, a horse that is has a sort of uh, a, a full clip is likely to need, perhaps in the same climate, uh, same temperatures, a medium rug, whereas a horse that's got, say, a blanket clip might only need a light rug, and a horse that uh, is, is fully unclipped might not need any rug at all. Coat colour is an interesting one. In theory, in uh, cold weather, a dark, very dark coloured horse would have an advantage because it would be uh, it would be absorbing more radiation, or what radiation sunlight's available, uh, than, for example, a very light coloured horse, which would have the advantage in hot weather. We see uh, in, in, in the sun, in full summer, that there might be a five degree difference in the surface temperature of a white surface versus a black surface, possibly even more than that. That's if we're talking um, uh, the, the, the temperature of a horse's coat. Whether or not a horse has got shelter is an important factor in determining how they coat and also how active they are. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> if your horse uh, goes and st just stands still, then uh, it's likely to not be generating, or it won't be generating as much heat as horses that are fairly active when they're out in the paddock. <clears throat> horses with uh, health issues such as Cushing's, uh, equine asthma, uh, horses prone to colic may also need to be uh, rugged before. Uh, other horses that are healthy and there is simply individual variation two almost apparently identical horses on the same diet uh, living in the same conditions one horse may need a rug and the other doesn't uh, and that is the same as we see in, in in people as well that there can be just simply individual variation in how cold or warm people feel We've seen a lot of uh, guides being produced um, and these sort of uh, things, for example, uh, one by uh, Equus England, I think, where they have the temperature and then they say, okay, so if it's zero to four degrees, a stabled clipped horse would need a heavyweight rug, whereas a turned out clipped would need a medium weight turnout rug with a neck cover. Um, not really based on science these they're possibly based on experience um, they might work it would be interesting uh, actually we should follow this up and we should test these and see if people think these are accurate um, there was also a, a flow chart developed by uh, Auburn uh, Department of Animal Science in the States and this is, has got lots of question uh, and basically you decide how and when to rug your horse based on different factors such as is the horse very young or very old is the horse sick or thin um, so you know this is similar to the sort of things we've been discussing already <clears throat> so what are the risks of over rugging first of all I'd say one of the major ones is 
causing uh, sweating and discomfort. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and if the horse is uncomfortable, then they rub. Um, then that's not great. There's potentially the risk for uh, development of skin disease if you are over rugging, and particularly if the horse is uh, sweating underneath. There's a risk if you have a reduced heat loss that this can contribute to obesity. We also used to say that there was a risk to uh, vitamin D status because vitamin D is produced in the skin and requires sunlight. Now, that's true certainly for people. Uh, some recent studies though in horses showed that it didn't actually make much difference to the vitamin D status whether horses were rugged or not. And the proposal by uh, the authors, this is studies done at Massey University in New Zealand, was that the horse relies more on dietary vitamin D than it does on uh, sunlight produced vitamin D like we do. So how good are we at judging whether our horses are rugged appropriately? We got a bit of an insight into this from some work that we did. Uh, this was collaborative work between myself and Ella Bartlett and Lorna Cameron at University Centre Sparshall. And what we did was we put um, temperature loggers onto the skin underneath rugs. And we also used an app called the Orscana from a company called Arionio, which uh, measures temperature and humidity and gives advice on rugging. We also felt under the rugs and did sweat scoring in different positions and we also looked at the horse's rectal temperatures their respiratory rates their behavior and monitored the environmental conditions and we had a group of six horses that were all uh, fully clipped a couple of weeks before the start of the study and when we were doing this it was around seven degrees centigrade and what the, the study involved was we started off with just a fly rug on the horses and then we added rugs every hour and we started off with three fleeces and then we added a 200 gram stable rug 300 gram stable rug and then another 200 gram stable rug and what was interesting is that there was no change in the horses breathing there was no change in their rectal temperature no change in their behavior and we could not, the observers could not detect any change in sweat score underneath the rug. So they weren't feeling that these horses were, were sweating. Despite this, over the period of the six hours, the horse's skin temperature under the rugs increased by about five or six degrees on average. Um, now, when we looked at the uh, the sensors that were telling us uh, measuring the temperature and the humidity which would tell us when the horses started to sweat we found that all horses were sweating by around three hours now that was a level of sweating we weren't able to detect by hand but we could detect with either the oscana or with the other temperature and humidity sensors and the other interesting thing about this is all these horses started to sweat when the under rug temperature reached about 24 to 26 degrees centigrade. And you may remember from earlier on in the podcast, we said that the upper limit of the horse's thermoneutral zone is around 25 degrees centigrade. So this is consistent and makes a lot of sense. 
What about the Oscana sensor? Was this accurate? Well, yes, the sensor actually gave warnings when the horses started to sweat. And what we actually found was the sensor was more reliable than the observers in detecting the onset of sweating. Now, there are other sensors around. There's a, a sensor called a horse pal, which is uh, from Horseware Island. That is uh, a cheaper sensor. Um, it's not been validated as far as I know. And there's also a sensor made by uh, Decathlon called Forganza, which is around 50 euros. Um, I haven't really seen that marketed much in the UK. And there are more and more apps out there that uh, are advising people on what to how to rug their horses but this is difficult because we've already said there are so many factors that you really need to be considered and horse owners need to look at their horses uh, they need to know their horses and they need to make judgments based on what they see bearing in mind that we aren't very good at detecting when they're damp under the rugs just to finish off, um, in the summer we did some work looking at what colour rugs are best in hot weather uh, because this was a question that kept on coming up. And so we looked at the difference between uh, black cotton and white cotton when dry and black cotton and uh, white cotton when wet. And what we saw is that in the same conditions consistently underneath a white cotton sheet the horse would be around five degrees cooler than underneath a black cotton sheet dry. The better thing would be to, to wet these off um, and then you would get a drop right down. Uh, you get a real big cooling advantage if you spray the, the sheet with water or even if you soak it. Um, and that would persist for sort of about an hour, that advantage, and in fact, there's no difference between a white wet and a black wet uh, cotton sheet for about the first sort of 30 to 40 minutes. But then by an hour, the, uh, the white black, sorry, the, the white black, <laughs> the white wet is still significantly cooler uh, than any of the others. And so by after an hour, a horse with a white uh, wet sheet that is still drying out would still have an advantage over one wearing a black and uh, wet uh, sheet. The problem is cotton um, isn't necessarily that durable and might, uh, might be more likely to tear. White isn't particularly a practical um, <laughs> colour uh, around horses a lot of the time either. But um, certainly if you want to keep your horse comfortable in uh, warm weather, a white uh, coloured cotton sheet would be the best thing and it would be even better if it was wetted. And of course the opposite is true. In winter, your horse is likely to be better off with a dark coloured rug. So in summary, no one size really fits all when it comes to rugging. Um, a little bit of a play on words there. Um, what we mean by no one size, we mean that uh, it, it really there are lots of factors to consider. Uh, you need to consider the size, the clipping, the age, the health, the body condition score, 
what the environmental conditions are, access to shelter, etc. There is still this tendency for owners to overrug their horses and we do acknowledge it can be hard to judge and this is something that, that, that needs some further thought um, on how to advise horse owners. But we can say if your horse does feel damp under their rug, they are definitely overrugged. The other important thing is don't rug according to how you feel. Um, and I would always say start on the lighter side um, and see how your horse goes rather than go in straight away with the really heavy rugs. Also, as part of this podcast, we ran a couple of polls. The first one was we asked how many rugs do you have on average per horse? And 60% of people on the webinar said they had five or more rugs. The next uh, poll was what were your most common complaints about rugs? And by far the, the most common one was that they don't stay waterproof. And that was 38% of people said that. The next one, uh, about 19% was people said poor fit. And the third one, about 17% was the rugs rub. So clearly there are some issues with rugs and we will be doing some testing of rugs in the, in the very near future um, and doing some polls, uh, some surveys on much larger numbers of you to try and understand which brands are the best. Thanks very much. Hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. 
The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.